This is the Daniel Alonzo Wealth on the Beach podcast. I'm a 20-year entrepreneur, investor, and business coach. I've spoken in front of over 300,000 people and been featured in Success Magazine. I became a millionaire at 24. I saved a million dollars in cash by age 28. And I am going to personally help you get totally, absolutely financially independent by creating massive, passive income. Join me now. It's episode number 24. This is the Wealth on the Beach podcast. I'm Daniel Alonzo, and I am your host. My guest today is none other than the amazing Josh Huffman out of Fort Worth, Texas. He's a 37-year veteran of Primerica Financial Services, loves golf. Man, this dude's a stud golfer, trust me. Graduated TCU. He's got three kids, three amazing kids, very, very successful kids, eight grandkids now. He's a Wall of Fame member, $700,000 plus earner. And right now is building a whole new wave of leaders, totally financially independent, living a dream life. And he's about to share his journey with us now. Thanks for getting on, Josh. We love you, man. Tell us about your story. I always played golf with my dad and his buddies. And uh, I mean, they were like extended parents of mine. So I had a, a good core group of mentors that were good role models. They were successful men. They, you know, they were faithful to their wives. They back, you know, back when I grew up, I was born in 1950. You know, there weren't, it was a rarity when people got divorced. So the, the, the nuclear family was pretty strong, but all my dad's friends and my mom's friends, my mother was with, they, they entertained a lot. We lived six houses down from the main intersection of town. So the town literally grew around my, my family's, uh, home place. And, um, uh, it, but, but I, I had a group of mentors really. So not just, but my dad and my dad, my dad and my mother were my greatest influence growing up. And so why would you say when you think back about your father, cause you, you talked about, you know, you were a little bit of a prankster and you, you got busted. You're, you're, you're a norm. You were a normal little kid. You got in trouble. So looking at your father, what were some of the things about your father that you truly admire uh, looking back? Well, he was, his integrity was above reproach. He always said, son, always tell the truth. Uh, the older you get, you'll realize that your memory's not so good. And if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a great memory. And you don't ever want to be looking over your shoulders uh, there's one interesting thing my dad always used to say that was a blessing and a curse to me. And uh, he always used to say, when I can remember as a little boy, we'd be going on a trip and maybe we were going fishing together and we'd stop at a little, uh, you know, 7-Eleven type store and go in and I'd say, I want this, Daddy, I want this, Daddy, I want that, I want that. And he goes, son, 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 calm down. And he, he, he'd say, son, I'm going to tell you what my daddy told me. I want you to have everything in this world that you want. I just don't want you to want so much. And that was a blessing, but it was also a curse 
because show me somebody that doesn't want much, I'll show you someone who doesn't accomplish much. But what he was trying to do was learn how to be content, learn how to appreciate what you have, learn an attitude of gratitude. Don't always compare yourself uh, to other people. You know, God's given you abilities and strengths. You focus on developing those. Um, and so that was a great, inf that made a real profound impact. Uh, I was sharing with somebody else. My dad was always the brunt of the jokes. He was always being teased. And he, he would take me to the Lions Club. They had a meeting every three or four weeks. And I'd go with him plenty of times as a little boy. And I remember I was in junior high school. We were driving home one night. I said, Dad, oh, Dad, they sure do give you a hard time. And he leaned over. He looked looked to his right. I was sitting in the passenger seat. He said, he smiled at me. He said, son, you never tease people you don't like. And I thought, that's really true. And I've been in a men's Bible study for, it was a six-week Bible study that started 35 years ago. It, it never stopped. And the teacher, he, he's quite a theologian, and he was talking about men and tendencies and uh, and uh, and and their emotions. He said, you know, he talked about one type of person, another type of person, and and then, you know, and then he said, and then you got these weird guys like Josh, who who thinks if you're not picking on him, you don't love him. And I thought when he said that, that's really true because that's right. part of my love language. I tease people that I really like. Yeah. And my yeah. dad, he 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 had a lot of everybody respected him, but everybody awesome, liked man. him. He had a great sense of humor. That's amazing, Josh. What a great story of, you know, you come from a good family, you got great parents, and they raised you well. And how, how important is that? Because I know you, Josh. I know you very well. And I, I'm just telling everybody that's listening right now, this is a good man, a great man. I mean, I remember being in your living room with you and Janice years yes. ago. And we, we were ready to go to bed. We were hanging out all night long. We had a great dinner. And we were, you know, and these two people prayed over us. Like, uh, you know, me and Karma, I mean, prayed over us like nobody has ever prayed over us in our life. I mean, what an amazing experience that was. I will never, ever in my life forget that night. It's one of the most important nights of my life. And, uh, wow. and I'll never, never forget you for that. And so, so let's, so look, Josh, when you think about how you got started, tell us a little bit about your Primerica journey in business, kind of where you started, what were you doing before and how did you get recruited into business? Okay. Well, I, I had gotten into the housing business right out of college. Janice transferred down to TCU my junior year. And so I've, I, she was one year behind me. And I, I graduated and had to look for a job because she had a year, she, you know, she had another year to go. And I always assumed I'd go back home to Tennessee and work in the family business. And so I asked my dad, I said, dad, you think I ought to try to find a business like ours for me to go to work and kind of learn? Or what, what do you think I ought to do? He says, son, you're going to be coming up. You're going to be coming home in 12 months. He said, he said, I'd interview everybody that came on campus and I'd, I'd, select the one that where I thought I could make the most money and I could save my money and then come on home. And I said, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and so I ended up going in the housing business, a home building firm 
was interviewing for uh, IT people, and I, I can't even spell IT, okay? But, but I, I was interviewing everybody, and I, I, I didn't know they were interviewing for IT. I thought, well, heck, I wouldn't mind working outside. I could see myself in a hard hat and going on a construction project or something. And uh, I headed off with the, the personnel manager who was doing the interviewing, and he said, you know, we've never hired uh, anybody fresh out of college for our sales force, but we thought about it. I want you to talk to our general sales manager. And at the time, that was back in the, in the set, early 70s, and a person graduated from school, go to work for Procter & Gamble or Pfizer, some pharmaceutical company, and usually make twelve to 14000 plus card expenses. They'd be gone three or four days a week and home on the weekends. And he was talking about our guys make between 18 and 22. Some make 25 and are home every night. And so that appealed to me because I, I wanted – Janice and I – we got married two weeks after I graduated, and so we were engaged. And uh, so I interviewed, and my first year, I made over $30,000. And that wow. was 1973. That was in today's dollars, $73 is about $110,000. You know, and so, uh, and, and my, it was almost as much as my dad made, or actually, it was a little more than my dad with the bonus. He said, Son, you, you'd be crazy to come home. You need you need to milk that one a while. And uh, anyway, so to make a long story short, I never ended up going home. I had I had three real good years with the first company and was basically hired away by another company. And uh, uh, the the all the other salespeople were were about ten to fifteen years my senior. And the sales manager when I went to work, he said, "Read this book uh, and read and listen to these tapes every day." Well, I was dumb enough to do exactly what he said, and and I read it was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's classic, you know. And then I, the tapes were How to Sell and Resell New Homes by a guy named Dick Russell out of Southern California. Very obnoxious sounding tapes, but I listened to them every single day, and I literally memorized the print. I memorized. It. And I was in a sales office with three other guys who were very honorable men. I was very blessed. And I sold more than those three guys combined. And um, we, the owner of the company, the company had gone public, had been bought by a public company. And he was, he was my dad's age. And he really believed in me and liked me. But he couldn't move me up past everybody because it would just disrupt the whole sales for really and so he had a friend who was looking uh, uh, he was mentoring a man who was uh, he was uh, I, 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 yeah, I said Dave Fox was my dad's age he was old enough to be my granddaddy but he was mentoring someone who was uh, about 20 years older than I was in the housing business and uh, it, to make a long story short he recommended me to him I took the job didn't realize until after I got there that they were busted. They were broke. And I wow. saw it as a great opportunity. And we went from 90 home sales to 600 home sales in 12 months. Wow. And became, we, yeah, it was, I got a lot of national recognition. We became the largest uh, privately, the second largest privately owned home building firm in the Southwest. And so anyway, I was happy with the career. Things were going great. Mike Tuttle had moved to uh, uh, Dallas at the time, started going to our church. He was a bookkeeper at an auction company and selling life insurance part-time and I owned Northwestern Mutual Insurance and he so my so 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 just a real quick Josh so Mike Tuttle was already in the business that we're in in Primerica at the time and so this was somebody that you built a relationship with 
right? And so how, yes. did, how did you get to know Mike Tuttle? Like how did well, you know he, he started coming to our church, he and Stephanie, and they okay. lived, they didn't live far from us. Okay. And um, uh, Stephanie and Janice hit it off. Okay, I mean, just had a connection the first time we met, and Mike and I did too. But, but Mike actually at that moment was not working for A.L. Williams or Primerica. He was working for a precursor. Uh, he was Mike Utes had recruited oh, Mike Tuttle, and uh, anyway, but I was one of his first group of sales, and uh, I was, you know, I, I was really grateful. I didn't understand everything I'd done. All I knew is that I had four times more coverage for half the premium, and was investing the difference in a mutual fund, and so, but Just I didn't sense. really, I really didn't realize uh, Mike didn't really make it clear to me that Northwestern Mutual could have done the same thing for me. Okay. I, I just thought Mike had a better mousetrap and um, just a better product. And so, uh, so how did it transition for him saying, how do you come in business with me? How, how did that well, happen? Once he went to work, once they joined up with A.L. Williams, he started trying to recruit me okay. and you know, timing's everything. And I, lo I loved what I was doing. I was making a six-figure income. That my income went up, and I was, you know, in in my, uh, I mean, late seventies, early eighties, I was making hundred grand. And when you're working for somebody else, that's like three hundred thousand dollars in today's money. Working for somebody else, and our company, uh, I was a major, I mean, player in Dallas Fort Worth. People knew who I was, and and uh, you know, we were a prime target to either be purchased by a public company or go public ourselves. And so I'm thinking if we do that, I've got a big upside. And right. so I just told Mike, you know, and back then we only had one product, life insurance. Right. And back in the seventies, selling life insurance was like skin diving for rotor rooter. I mean, it was lower than oil dung on the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, that's what, a, that's what a guy did when he couldn't find a job doing anything else. Right. And right. I said, Mike, I'm sorry. I believe what you, I appreciate what you did for me, but I ain't going to sell life insurance. And my attitude was, I built a good resume. I mean, it was, I had to command something in marketplace and I wouldn't, to me, that's starting over at the bottom of the barrel. And in reality, I did not understand the business because you don't, at Primerica, you don't start at the bottom. You start at the top. You just don't have the top contract yet, but you're starting your own company. I did not see that. Okay. I didn't have, I didn't see it, but Mike was relentless and relentless. And finally, we couldn't, you know, I, I called him one day after about oh, two or three years of this. I mean, he was, he was after me for four years and I called him and I said, I, I need to talk to you. And he, I could tell in his voice, he thought I was coming in to, to say, I want to go to work. But I, I, I left my office, which was about 35 miles away. And I drove to his office and I went in and I said, Mike, we, you, we, you used to be one of my best friends. And I paused and he looked at me kind of funny. I said, I say past tense because I haven't been able to carry on a meaningful conversation with you for the last two years. Every time I ask you how things are going, I get a, I get a, a sales pitch for the next hour and a half on why I need to come to work with A.L. Williams. I want you to read my lips. I'm not interested. I am happy that you're doing well. He bought a home, had bought a home right down the street from me. And then a year and a half later, he bought 
a few acres north of me. And I mean, I, I knew he was making some big money, but uh, I, the point was I liked what I, what I was doing and I thought I had a big upside. And in reality, what happened, I went to the owner of the company after I'd been there, heavens, I'd been there three years. And I said, I, I want to make a proposal. I'll take a radical reduction in my salary. If you'll tie my compensation to a percentage of the profits right, and right. give me the option over the next five years to buy up to 20% of the company stock. And so to make a long story short, we had a banner year and he brings me in his office after we sign a contract. Okay. Wow. And he fires me. <laughs> wow. I get fired. And, uh, it was a shocker. And, um, I, um, so that, that was really Josh. And that's what I was waiting for is for you to tell a little bit about that story, because I mean, so many people out there, they're counting on their job to take care of them for life. When in fact, that's the scariest thing you can ever do because you're basically allowing a person with the ability to say you're fired, that you're allowing a person or a corporation to have that ability to remove everything from you in, in, a, exactly swell, right. in a fell swoop, gone just like that. Is that kind of what you, is that kind of what happened to you? Well, exactly. I mean, we, we signed the contract. I, I went there. Let me just elaborate on a little bit. I went to him and I, I and I, and I made that, I said, I, yeah, I'd like to change the, my comp. And he said, you know, son, you have earned the right to make that request. I want this being your last job, but nothing happened and nothing happened. And almost two years after that, I got an offer to go to work with another firm and it was more money, more, I mean, it's a bigger up, upside, yada, yada, yada. And, but the problem was I liked where I worked and I did feel that, and I'd already established a great team, a great reputation. Uh, I didn't want to leave just for the money. And because I thought we still, you know, could go public or be purchased. And, but I, at the same point, I didn't want to be a poor steward of a great opportunity either. So I went to the owner the very next day and I said, Bob, I've had a I've had an offer. I really don't want to take it, but I'm prepared to do so. If you and I can't get my deal worked out, it's been almost two years. Nothing's happened. It's time for us to either fish or cut bait. And he was very contrite. He said, you know, Josh, shame on me. It's not your responsibility to come beat on me to step to the plate. Uh, you, you've, you've stepped up. I'm the one who hasn't. I still feel the same way. I want this being your last job. Meet me in the office in the morning at eight. We'll work it out. So by 10 o'clock, it's April 15th, 1981. And by 10 o'clock, it was a done deal. I thought I was going to be there forever. Six months later to the day, uh, over that six-month period, we made more money in those six months and uh, just about the best four, if you took the four best years in the company history, and we've been in business 32 years at that point. And I was online to get a huge bonus. And he brings me in and says, you know, I want you to know I'm really struggling paying your position this kind of money. Uh, and, and I said, you're not paying my position. You're paying my performance. That's why we structured the deal the way we did. He said, son, I'm not questioning your performance. I'm not questioning the contribution you made to our company. I'm questioning my judgment and agreeing to a comp plan that's going to allow anyone, quite honestly, anyone other than myself, to make this kind of money. You're going to make almost as much as I do, and I own the company. What's more, you've hired and, 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 uh, uh, and trained basically your cl two clones. Uh, they could, I think they could report directly to me. I don't think we'd miss a beat. And he said, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, that was it. I said, oh, I, I said, what are you saying? He said, I'm saying uh, that I'm requesting your resignation at this time. Wow, so wow, and I was wow. gone. So, but Josh, you know what was man, interesting? I mean, and, then, and, then, and then so from there, where did you, tra what did you do from there? 
Well, I, uh, that uh, interesting thing. Within twelve months, every single key department head, with the exception of one, had voluntarily resigned, and and within sixty months of that day, he went bankrupt. He was gone, out of wow. business, from the top of the heap. But on the way home, I realized I'm through working for anybody else. I want to go. I'm going to go in business for myself. I was I assumed it was going to be in the housing industry. I got home, and that the next that was on a Friday. And our church service Sunday, I got up and shared our service. We had an hour sharing service, 30-minute break, and then an hour of teaching. And during the sharing service, you share prayer requests. And I got up and I said, you know, I got fired on Friday. And everybody went, ah! I was one of the founding members. Of, Janice and I were the 10 founding couples of the church. And wow. and Stephanie turned to Mike, punched him, and said, you need to call him. He said, I'm through casting my pearls before that swine. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they called, uh, Stephanie called that Sunday night, and Mike took the phone away from her, and he, and, uh, and he said, you know, Josh, I, I promise you I wouldn't bring it up. I said, listen, I, I have no – I'm all ears now, buddy. That's it. That's it, man. I'm all in now. So tell me about a little bit about the early days. I mean, was it tough? I mean, the, the, those, that yeah. first year, that first two years, I mean, was it, was it tough a little bit? Well, you got to understand, now, I've always been a saver, and we'd save some money, but we were not financially secure at all, okay? We probably, in today's money, uh, I mean, we were making 100, I, we were living on 60, okay? Right. But we gave very, we gave away a lot of money, we, we believe in ties and offerings and uh uh so I, I felt like i had a cushion and i went out and i remember i, I looked at i looked i talked to over 30 different business owners i looked at every type of business opportunity you can imagine but i had a list of things that were wanted that i wanted in a business and and uh, primerica was the only thing that really set, hit every one of them and so that's why what, I, what are some of those because I, 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 and I use this, by the way, you know, your list of uh -huh. things, I use that, and I've been using this for years. So because really? of you, Josh, we've brought so many people in to the business because of, of your thinking, your philosophy, and some, uh, some of that list. So could you give us a couple of those points of, of why you felt well, that, that, that Primerica was a great opportunity? Pretty well, pretty, you know, straightforward, low risk, but high return. Okay. Mm -hmm. Minimal capital investment to start low overhead, recession proof, uh, a business where you could multiply yourself. Cause I did not want to be self-employed. I did not want to generate hundred percent of my income off of one person. Um, I wanted, uh, something that would uh, satisfy my need for significance. I wanted no travel, no requirement to relocate. I wanted to be my own boss, set my own schedule. I wanted no cap on my income or my associate's income. I wanted no travel unless it was pleasure travel. I wanted no requirement to relocate. I wanted, I wanted something uh, that would pay a consistent residual income. I wanted only a limited time lag for income generation. Most small businesses lose money first year, break even second, takes three years to show a profit. I was, I've always been the sole breadwinner in my family. I couldn't afford to do that. I wanted something, uh, I, I think I said, consistent reoccurring revenue, consistent residual income. Then I wanted something I knew I could do. Um, and so, you know, two or three of those, like, uh, 
no cap on my income or my associates. I knew in order to truly duplicate myself and to, to offer to my associates the same opportunity I had, I had to have some type of business model where my associates could out earn me. Now I was right. thinking at first, from the traditional business sense. And I, I really thought that was an impossibility because if I'm the one at risk, if my name's on the note, I signed the lease, how can, and I'm the one who's taking all the risk. How can I pay them more than I'm earning? I did not know, but I knew I, I wanted, I wanted, most business owners are guaranteed to lose their most capable, competent and ambitious people. I wanted to be guaranteed to keep my most capable, competent and ambitious people. And there, you know, and that's what happens in Primerica. There's no reason to go out and try to duplicate it. I mean, it, you can, it's not some pyramid deal where the guy at the top makes all the money. It's, it's right. upside down with the crowding in our business at the entry level. It's that's it, man. That's it. And that that right there, what you just explained, Josh, all of those fundamental ideas of of having a a chance to build a business that one day you can build awesome residual income that never stops. A lot of people, they think that's crazy because we think in a traditional mindset that says, I got to go to a job, I got to work here eight hours a day, I go home, and then they give me a paycheck. And we've been so programmed as a society it, to That's think right. that way that we can't ever get out of that box until maybe, just maybe they hear from somebody like you that said, hey, look, I had a job. I quit that job. I went into business for myself in the perfect business model. I became financially independent and I've been living a dream life. I mean, shoot, Josh, you've had a dream life, financial life and life. For the last 20 plus years, I mean, you've been financially independent for God, probably 25, 30 years now. It's been a long time, a long long time, time, you know, so uh, it's been a good ride. We, we we traveled, Janice and I, we were, we would, we traveled about a hundred to 120 days a year for the last about probably 14, 15 years. And we always traveled some before then, but once the kids got grown and gone and, uh, you know, I, I was like a lot of people. I lost millions, millions, literally lost with the Citigroup debacle. But I didn't have everything in Citigroup stock. Right, right, but right. Uh, uh, and I, t- I told her after we lost so much money, because we were very frugal. Uh, we lived in the same house uh, that for 25 years, uh, and 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 we were financially secure. Uh, I'm. I'm <laughs> My, Mike Tuttle told me, I said, what do I need to do? He said, you need to go out and recruit five directs your first 30 days. And I said, okay, I'm going to recruit 10. <laughs> and, uh, and I recruited 10 directs. And out of those 10 directs, uh, and well, first, in 90 days, all 10 of those guys had quit. But through those 10, we recruited 335 people and wow. uh, that first 12 months and uh i didn't make a lot of money because i didn't know i was no the early deal was to recruit 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 sales take care of themselves no that's not true you got to have a processing system to process the raw materials okay sure, but, but uh, it's the name of the game still recruiting it never that's never stopped but my my second year in the business i got promoted in uh, april of my second year so 15 months later in my first year's rvp we made right at 200,000 the next year uh we we made uh 
uh, a little over right at 300,000 the, the third year. So uh, we, I mean, we began to make some legitimate money. I tell people up front, I didn't make any money my first year, my first month, my second month, my third month. I didn't make any money my fourth month until the 21st day. But from that date over the next 36 months, I was paid over 600000 which is a true statement. Wow. So that's awesome, anyway, Josh. That, that is, and that is just amazing. That and to, to think that you did that, I mean, you know, just from almost starting from zero. I mean, so everybody listening to this, Josh, they have a legitimate shot. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed for them to do it. But at least they know that if somebody has done it before, they can do it too. And, and I, and I look at those numbers too. And Josh, think about it. I mean, you know, those numbers, you put in inflation and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you were paid a lot of money. You convert those numbers. Yeah. You were paid, I mean, 200 grand back in the eighties is 400,000 today, you know? So what you did was absolutely phenomenal, but people got to know that you can do that too. If somebody wants to, in the next three years, be at a half a million dollars in income, they have a legitimate shot. We have more products, we have more services, more ways to make money, more credibility, more opportunity today than you had back in the 80s, that's for sure. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I got started, we just had one product, really. And uh, then we, about 85 is when they started really pushing securities and, and uh, you know, for 84, something like that. Uh, but uh, I mean, it, it, it it's a, t it's so much bigger, uh, more uh, profitable business now than it's ever been. Absolutely. I mean, heck Mario's income went up 600,000 in one, in one year. Absolutely. I mean, any, anything is possible. Hey, Josh, you know, I want, I, I want to ask you a question. Um, Who's Liz Shepard in, in the journey that you've taken over the last 10 years? Tell me a little bit about her. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the adversity that you've gone through. So maybe because people go through stuff and I, I want, I think you're such a good person to explain the transition through adversity for people. And so who's Liz Shepard? Well, Liz was uh, Chris Shepard's wife and uh, Liz and Chris were uh, just single uh kids that went to church where we did and um uh they were they had started dating and, and anyway i had recruited a fellow by the name of david and uh, david and alicia salmon they had i had my church had asked me to speak and do a little seminar which i did and they were interested david and alicia were married and they became clients and that was uh, they they my fee was 10 uh you know of uh, prospects, 10 referrals, and David was interested from the get-go, so I recruited David, and and then he brought Chris to the meeting, to make a long story short, that he and Liz were dating, Chris was single, and uh, uh, he recruits, and he and Liz get married, and uh, they'd been, after a couple of years, they were trying to get pregnant, and Liz had miscarried th oh, three or four times, and finally, she uh, got pregnant again, and uh, things were seen to progress uh, reasonably well. And she went in for about her, I guess, four months checkup, and they found a mass on her uterus. And it, they did a biopsy, and it was cancerous, and they said, we need to abort the baby. And she said, no, we're not going to do that. And uh, she chose to carry the child. They said, it'll kill you, very likely. 
and she said, I'll take my chances. And, uh, and Liz was a wonderful person. And, uh, I mean, she was very strong partner. And, uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, Liz died on my birthday in, in 2015, and that was October the 19th. I was praying that God would take her the day before or the day after, but she she passed in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Chris had built a business, and, I mean, he was still in his 20s, uh, and he was with her. He basically didn't work for two years, and his income never went below hundred grand. And uh, it's just a testament to our business. And uh, I mean, he's such a great relational person, too. And his team really rallied uh, behind behind him. And uh, anyway, and at that same time, my daughter had been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And um, that was that was really difficult and she was diagnosed, I think, in 2014. And I'm in my office and I get a phone call said daddy I have cancer and it was like a, a fog just surrounded me and um, anyway fortunately I mean she fought that and she it, she's it's it's, it's it's she's been cancer free now for three years and uh, I guess almost four years now and uh, one of the blessings of that uh, Janice was able to uh, spend, I mean, a lot of time, uh, Ashley went to, was treated at Invita Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Janice was able to go out there and stay with her for, you know, six weeks, just the two of them, and they hadn't done that since Ashley was, he had lived at home, and uh, it was just really special time. And So, Josh, yeah. tell us tell us a little bit about Janice and, and, and the story with Janice and, and, how, and how the heck does a human being get through something like that? And uh, so if you could, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing us a little bit about Janice and, um, and, and what happened. No, I'll, I'll be happy to. I mean, Janice and I fell in love when we were 13 and 14 years old, if you can fall in love at that age, okay? <laughs> I met her in front of the First United Methodist Church uh, in uh, August of, of uh, Evans, 1960, uh, 1964. And... Uh, uh, she, uh, she was five foot seven, weighed 94 pounds and uh, had the sparkliest eyes and just hair ratted up on top, just bounced around. I thought that's the cutest girl I've ever seen. <laughs> she had so much energy and we, I mean, we, she was there with a friend of mine. She had just moved to Shelbyville and, uh, anyway, we started being sweethearts and, uh, uh, got married two weeks after we graduated in 1973. Uh, and we were sweethearts for 52 years, married 43 and a half years. We had, I mean, we were truly soulmates. It, we had a wonderful marriage. She was my best friend. We did everything together. She was a godly woman, a great partner. We both met the Lord the same night, our senior, my senior year in college, her junior year. We both had a, 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 a a new, a new infilling of, of the Lord in, in, uh, in, um, uh, August of 1982. And, uh, I mean, our, our spiritual journey was hand in hand. We, I mean, we led countless Bible studies out of our home and we were always involved in a, in, in an outreach to other couples. And, uh, I mean, we were best friends and, um, you know, you talk about the life we had, 
uh, on uh, uh, November the 15th of 2016, we'd gone to our cabin. We have a cabin about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes from the house. And we spent the weekend there. And as normal on Sundays, when we're there on Sundays, we, we don't go to church. We usually have our own church and we'll watch Joel Osteen for 30 minutes and then Robert Morris he's the pastor at Gateway I've known Robert since he was 19 years old then we watch Charles Stanley and sometimes Andy Stanley we'll have our Bible there and we'll go through we'll pause the TV and discuss what's being said we'll read the scripture and after that we would literally pray for 30 minutes to an hour after that and just you know pray for our, our friends our the couples in the business our children grandchildren posterity everything and after we had done that, and I mean, that it's, it's really a rich time, okay? And we always enjoyed that. And she said, you know, baby, we are so blessed. And I said, I know we are. She said, no, really, we are really blessed. Uh, she said, um, we've been able to do everything we've ever wanted to do. We've ever to go every place we've ever wanted to go. We're free. The children are doing fantastic their marriages are in great shape. The grandkids are doing great. She said, baby, we have no regrets. And I said, I know it, darling. You're right. I said, we are very, very, very blessed. And she said, honestly, the only thing better than this is going to be heaven. And I said, well, baby, let's don't rush it. And she, and she laughed. She said, I'm not, I'm not rushing it. I'm looking forward to growing old with you. And I said, well, I am too. And, and quite honestly, that should be in the cards. I mean, mom and dad lived to 94. Your parents are in their 90s. They're both in good health. You're in good health. I'm in good health. We were both uh, compliant kids. You honored your mother and father. I've honored mine. The scripture says honor your father and mother and all will go well with you. And that some translation says you'll have a long and happy life. I said, we, and nobody on either side of our families have ever died prematurely or been killed in an accident or anything like that. It should, we should have a long life. And she said, well, my biggest prayer is that when my time is up, I, I just hope the Lord calls me home before you because I literally would not know what to do. You handle all the finances. You handle all the money. I, I wouldn't know what to do. And I said, well, if that happens, baby, you'll hear a bullet before you ever get to the gates. And she said, oh, <laughs> and won't that be a great testimony? <laughs> and, and I said, well. I said, baby, let's just hope we don't ever have to deal with this. And she said, well, I hope we don't. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I do, I, I just, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And I don't think I could ever remarry. And I said, well, that'd be criminal. You're a beautiful woman. You're a godly woman. You got a lot of life to live. I'd want you to be happy. And she said, I got eight grandkids and three kids. I got plenty to keep me busy. I'd be plenty happy, darling. And I said, I said, well, I, you know, I, I, that you ought to have that as an option. She said, I don't think I could. I think I'd be comparing everybody to you. You're the only man I've ever known. I, you know, and I said, well, tell you the truth. I, I, I understand how you feel. I, I don't think I could ever remarry either. And she went, <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, you know, somebody six weeks, you've been married six months. I said, baby, that hurts my feelings. I can't believe you say this. We're having this serious conversation. That hurts my feelings. She said, darling, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I know you'd give your last breath for me. And I said, I absolutely would. And she says, and I absolutely know that. But I also absolutely know you. And you're not going to be able to live alone. 
And I said, baby, let's just, we don't even need to be discussing this, okay? I said, I love you. She, she got up because I was in a different chair. She walked that's, that's awesome. Gosh, and that's she a, that's awesome. Me, less than 24 hours later, she was gone. And uh, I thought I thought I was going to die. Um, she had, we'd gone back into Fort Worth, and she had left a, we both have sleep machines. She'd left her sleep machine, her suitcase at the cabin. And she said, and we had gone in two cars and she had just gotten home and she walked in and she said, guess what I did? And I said, what? She said, I left my suitcase. I got to go back. And I said, Oh no. And she said, no, I need to go now because it's, it's just right at two and I need to get to the Dallas traffic. I said, I know. She said, well, I'm going to get it. Come straight back. I'll be back about five. And I said, okay, baby, be careful. I love you. I love you. And quite honestly, I went to sleep in the chair I was in. And the next thing that happened was the doorbell rang. And I, my first thought was, what's she doing ringing the doorbell? And I walked down the front. There was a highway patrolman and a police officer. And they had a serious look on their face. And the first thing that I thought was, you know, now with these pictures that, you know, when you go through a yellow light, you know, yellow means you better hurry up because the light's fixing to change, you know. And uh, I, I'm sitting there thinking, maybe I have a lot of outstanding tickets and I and I said officer if I have an outstanding ticket it's because I didn't get the notice I pay everything when I get it and I, I get somebody else's mail in my mailbox at least once or twice a week and I'm sorry if there's the outstanding warrant and he they did I mean I wasn't being funny either I was very serious and they were serious and they started asking me questions um and then asked me it you know if, you know if I was jo Joshua uh, Huffman, do I have a son named Joshua Huffman? I do. Is that Joshua Brandon? And I said, something happened to my son. And, so, and then, then they asked it, about is Janice Brandon Huffman, my wife. And I said, yes. Is there any reason she would be in Hunt County this afternoon? I said, yes. Is something happened to my wife? And they told me, and quite honestly, I think in, I think in pictures. And uh, I've never thought of this movie any before or after I saw it, but in the, if you've ever seen the movie, the last of the Mohicans, the last scene is that warrior comes up behind the Indian chief and that venerable old chief, the wrinkles in his face is looking out over the, over the Vista uh, standing on the mountainside. And that chief has a big long machete and slams it down. It cuts, you know, it cuts the scene right as it hits his, his shoulder blade right next to his neck. And the, you know, the emphasis is that he, he cut him in two. And as they said that, I literally saw that saber going through my body and my shoulder and my literally just to the right of my sternum, everything was cut right in two and it literally fell to my side. And uh, I could see my, my lung, I could see my intestines, I could see my, my kidneys. I could, it was just a pile and the, and the steam coming out of that. And it was just horrific. And I, 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 I went down like a sack of potatoes myself. I collapsed. I was hysterical. I was, oh, Lord Jesus, not my baby, not my baby. Oh, Lord Jesus, not my baby. And they had to, they had to carry me into my house. And, uh, I mean, I, 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 it was surreal. It's still surreal. Right, sure. But, you know, God is faithful. And uh, the, what gave me – So what, gave, so what gave you the strength? What gave you the strength? Because, Josh, I mean – you know, you not only went through that, you went through many situations over, since I've known you. This last 10 years has been a pretty, you know, crazy 10 years. 
-hmm. and how you got through it and tell us a little bit about now after the fact what's happened to your life and and really you're you know you've met a wonderful woman uh jane right and you your life is on track to have just the most amazing you know but how'd you get through it and tell us a little bit about what it looks like now well, if I did not have the faith I had, I wouldn't have gone through it, okay? I mean, years ago, when I first came to Christ, uh, I was discipled by a young medical doctor uh, it, it was, who was with the Navigator Ministry, and I memorized, Navs are known for scripture memory, and I memorized hundreds of verses. And, uh, you know, uh, one for I know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for welfare not for evil to give you a future and a hope all things do work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to your purpose that's Romans eight twenty eight and uh, Psalm thirty two eight I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go I will counsel you with my eye upon you and then the one that gave me so much comfort. Aside from Romans eight twenty eight and and Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, was in Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen when God says, "I formed you and made you. I created you and placed you in your mother's womb. I, I numbered all your days. All your days were numbered and written in the book before there was even one of them." And so I realized that all of Janice's days were written before he ever gave her to me. When he gave her to me, as a fourteen year old, he knew that he was going to take her on November the, the uh, 14th of 2016. And I had to rest in the fact that I know he loves me and I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I just kept reminding myself that, you know, he loves me and I know that. And um, so I, and, and I just, I trust his sovereignty. I trust that he has me in the palm of his hand. And uh, uh, I, I, um, uh, I, I have a condo, Janice and I built, we have a condo in Little Rock. My son and four of our grandkids live there, and we have a condo near his home. And I went there. She was killed November the 14th. And on uh, December 21st, I went to the condo to spend the week of Christmas. And uh, one of, a man that had mentored my son when he moved to Little Rock, godly man, he was a one of the elders in his church, wonderful golfer too, called me the, the day after that I got there and said, Josh, I'm just coming back from a hunting club with Brandon, my son. And he, he told, they were driving in different vehicles. He told me that you were in town. I was calling, said, you know, you and I never have been able to spend any time together. I'd like to play, have you come out and play golf with me today. And I said, I'd love to Gene. And so we met. And at this point from the day of the accident, I was crying every day, every hour some part of every hour of every day. I mean, Daniel, I may be talking to you about golf or, or, or business or, you know, fishing and, and I just start crying. I mean, I couldn't control it. It was just, I was, I was so grief stricken. I mean, I mean, chance was the love of my life. And um, anyway, so we go out and we play and we're coming up the 15th fairway and true to form, I, I was crying about every hour. We've been out there about three hours and I just started crying again. And he reached over, grabbed my left forearm. He was driving the golf cart. He said, Josh, you got a lot of life left. And I said, I know it, do, Gene. And he said, God's going to get you through this. And I said, I know he is. And uh, he said, he, 
He pulls the card up to our golf balls. He stops. He looks at me. He said, I probably shouldn't say this right now, but I just feel compelled to share it. And he said, the facts are, I know I'm probably not going to see you for another three or four more months. And I just feel I need to go ahead and sow the seed now. And I looked at him kind of funny. I said, what, what seed are you trying to sow? <laughs> and he said, well, Leah and I have two lady friends that when the time is right, we would like to introduce you to. They're, they're, they're godly women. They, they're beautiful. They're lots of fun. We think you'd have a lot in common with them, and we'd like to introduce you to them. And Daniel, like somebody hit me in the solar plexus with a baseball bat. It took my breath. And I, I tried to be poker-faced and non-responsive, you know, but apparently he could see it. And he held out his hand. He shook his head. He said, Josh, I'm so sorry. I should not have said this. And at this time, and I said, no, no, that's okay. And what hit me at that moment, literally, for the first time was the reality of the finality, that she is gone and she is not coming back. I uh, uh, go home on Christmas Day. I drove back Christmas Day, and uh, we had dinner with my daughter's uh, in-laws, and uh, that next Tuesday, I had a, a, a meeting with a grief counselor, and I'd met with him a couple of times before then, and I shared with him, and I told him about the reality of the finality, and he kind of leaned back in his chair. He's interesting that you use that term, because that's the same term that we use in our the profession. He said, you know what happened there, Josh? He said, we, we would say that's somewhat of an artificial inducement in that it was somewhat thrust upon you but it really makes no difference how you arrive at that point. You cannot begin the healing process until you get there. Sometimes it may take a person six months. Sometimes, you know, it could take somebody six years. All that happened then was the healing process started sooner rather than later. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. Well, right. Two days later, I get a phone call from a very, from a friend who's been a, pastor of mega churches across the country and he knew janice and i both well uh his daughter and my and my daughter ashley had been maids of honor in each other's weddings and roommates at tcu and he called me and said he was really much the same thing my friend did he said josh i want to share something with you i've been marrying and burying people for over 50 years i can count on one hand the couples that I really truly believe had as, as good a relationship as you and Janice. And he said, it's been my experience. He says, now it's different for women, but it's been my experience for a man. When a man loses a relationship like you had, you, he, you've never known a bad relationship. And it's really a testament to your marriage. But for, for men that lose a relationship like that, it's very, it's very common to find someone and be married within six to 12 months. And so I, I want you to be open to that. I, I, I'm going to admonish you to two things. You stay close to the Lord and you follow your heart. Do not, do not try to listen and please everybody. You've got a life. It's your life to live. You've got a lot of life to live. You stay close to the Lord and you follow your heart. And, well, uh, Josh, and, and so, so you meet Jane. And yes. so tell me a little bit about, uh, about, the next chapter of your life. Well, uh, Janice's best friend uh, introduced us, and it wasn't a matchup. Uh, this friend, we, they we called them uh, Uncle Don and Aunt Jackie, and they called us Uncle Josh and Aunt Janice. 
they had just moved back. And after the accident, they were at my house, you know, day after day after day. But they had just moved back to Dallas. They moved away in the mid-'80s. They'd moved back, and they had been remodeling their home, and they had a housewarming uh, on, on January 1st. And uh, they had called me and called me and wanted to make sure I was coming. And I had a lot of people reaching out to me, so many people in Primerica. I mean uh, – I mean, bless Mike Pressler's heart. I didn't really, I've never done, I played one, played nine holes of golf with Mike Pressler one time. We would exchange niceties at meetings. Bless his heart. He called me almost every day for months. I mean, just kept texting me. Hector, I don't, I don't think I've ever played golf with Hector. But Hector, <laughs> Hector texted me so many times and right. stayed caught up with me. And I, I mean, those were just, I mentioned those two because, we really had never interfaced one right. on one much at all, and but it yeah. was there were many. You found people. out how many people love you, how many people really. Uh, love you. you found I mean, out it was. Well, you were at the service, and you know when we had, we had almost two thousand people there, and I had my Primerica family seated behind my immediate family, and when I had the Primerica family stand up, there was an audible gasp from everybody else in the auditorium. It was that it, it, it just blew them away. They didn't realize that. And it, excuse me, but it still chokes me up, you know? Uh, I mean, that was so, it still touches me when that, I, to think about that and all my Primerica family, cause it is a family. Anyway, I get to the, I get to the event and, and Jackie says, Uncle Josh and Janice was my best friend as an adult. And I want you to meet my best friend as a child. Janice knew about Jane, and Jane knew about Janice. But because we all three lived in different towns, they never got to meet. And, and I, she said, I want you to meet her. I said, well, I'd love to. And she said, well, here she is. And I turned to my left. She was standing about, oh, I don't know, six or eight feet away from Jackie. So she wasn't in my line of vision with her. And I turned to my left, and I see this beautiful lady just – the sparkly eyes and what a, just a magnetic smile, beautiful lips, beautiful eyes, beautiful teeth, beautiful complexion. I'm thinking, whoa, but I, that, what a pretty lady, but I was assuming that she was a married woman. And so I, I, you know, I contained myself and uh, we, we were introduced and she was from uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. And I had a lot of friends that were from there. At, I went to college with, so we, you know, we knew some mutual friends and, um, then, uh, Jackie asked me a direct question. I start, I started answering Jane excused herself. And I said, Jane, I said, Jackie, I said, what's her husband do? And she said, well, uh, she's not married. She was married 38 and a half years. Um, uh, she's been divorced for 15. It was a very, uh, difficult marriage and, uh, uh, it was abusive and, um, uh, she hasn't even dated anybody. And wow. I said, well, she sure is pretty. And she said, well, Uncle Josh, trust me, she's just as pretty on the inside. And I said, well, I don't know anything about the inside, but that's how back is always attractive. <laughs> well, I, I think, Josh, I mean, this is – what an incredible story of, I mean, you know, growing up how you grew up, the relationships that you've had, the family that you have, great kids, great grandkids, um, an amazing business achieve financial independence at such a young age um, to go through the tragedy that you went through, Josh is, is just, it, it really, it, it, it always like, when I think about you, Josh, I always think about, of course, Jesus and God and, 
and, and, and a businessman and so smart and such a good human being. And to, to go through all of these little, you know, challenges that you've had, huge challenges, tragedies that you've been through over the last 10 years. And for you, it, it warms my heart, Josh, to know that you came out well and you, you know, came out faithful, you know, and, and, and I just, you know, it, it's just like in business, you know, cause there's a lot of people that are in business right now and sometimes things don't go well, but they're not faithful. You know, I was talking to a couple of my, my agents this morning. I said, look, if you have faith, you'll keep fighting. If you have faith that this is what God wants you to do, and you can't tell me you don't have faith if you don't have faith. You can't tell me you don't have, you can't tell me you have faith if you're not willing to, to jump in every now and then, to take a chance right. every now and when, and now and then. So you're just such a great example of a, of a good man, a good Christian man, that was willing to go through what it took to come out in the end. And you and Jane now today are, are happily married. Oh yeah. See you guys traveling all over the world. We're going to be in Putacana next month together. And yeah. to be a part of that with you and to see your smiling face, uh, the people on the podcast, they can't see you, but to see you light up just like you lit up about Janice you know, when I, when, when I knew you and just, you know, you and Janice, but to see you light up like that again, it well, you know, Daniel, heart, man. I, I tell, I, I told Jane when we met, I said, I told her all about our relationship, you know, with, with Janice and the accident and everything. And, um, and I told her, I said, I, I, I realized very quickly, I can't live alone. I hate it. And I'm not, out, I'm not looking for a date. I'm looking for a mate. And I said, I can honestly say it would be impossible for me to have a better marriage than what I had the first time. But I know what it takes to have a great marriage. And I can promise the next business, Josh Huffman, whoever she is, that my second marriage will be every bit as good as my first one. And that I can, I, I know, I know how to deliver and, and God's going to get me through this. And, you know, she was just kind of, I mean, that's a first conversation we had. She was kind of like, and, that, and that's awesome. And that right there says it all. It says what kind of character, what kind of person you really are, Josh. And, uh, but thank you so much for being on with us today. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and who you are and, and allowing us in your life today, Josh. Um, you know, God bless you, man. What an incredible podcast today with uh, the amazing Josh Huffman. This has been such a pleasure to be, um, you know, to be able to interview him. And, uh, and I just want to kind of summarize a little bit about uh, what I learned today and, uh, and how this impacted me. Um, you know, I think, I think you got you to operate from a place of integrity and uh, he was just so respectful as a young kid and of course grew into a respectful man and so ask yourself are you um, being respectful to uh, people that are trying to help you you know an attitude of gratitude we hear that a lot but man this this, this guy's a, a grateful human being i mean imagine losing uh, friends and, and, and of course, you know, the tragedy of losing your best friend, your, your, your life partner that you've spent 
your life with. I mean, since you were 14 years old, I mean, imagine losing somebody like that and still having an attitude of gratitude uh, towards God and, and, uh, and of course, towards the world. Um, you know, he said, it's kind of funny, he said, never tease people you don't like. You know, he's a, he's a teaser. He likes to tease people. And uh, of course, he likes a lot of people. And uh, we, we attended his late wife uh, Janice's funeral. And I think there was over 2,000 people there. And it just goes to show you live a life the right way. And, um, and uh, that was, you know, our way of letting them know how much we appreciate them and, uh, and thanking them for living their life the right way. And of course, uh, he talked about training and training and training. You know, don't rely on a job. You know, corporate America is probably going to let you down. Um, you know, corporate America is not there to take care of your family. And so because he decided to uh, change the way that he made money, he put himself in a situation where he was able to build a solid business that gave him all of the things that he really wanted. And that was a, a key point in the, in the podcast is when he talked about all the things that he asked for in a business and the things that he wanted a business to give him. Uh, so, I mean, married 42 years, you got to be a praying man, praying woman, uh, our days are numbered, and so you better live them the right way and get up every day with an attitude of gratitude, pray, uh, and, uh, and ask the universe to, um, to give you the things that, uh, that you need to, to have a great special life. And so I just, uh, I just want you guys to know if you are ever out in Fort Worth, Texas, and you want to join somebody in business, ask for Josh Huffman. Of course, you can always contact me if you want to get more information about him. He's not totally tech savvy at this point of his life. And uh, um, so he doesn't have bios and websites and things like that. So if you want to contact Josh or if you'd like to send him a message or just tell him that, uh, that, 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 you know, this podcast really uh, grabbed you in some way, uh, please contact me and I'll let him know. Um, and, uh, look, I want you guys to know, please share this podcast, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're signing people up every single day for our wealth on the beach club. One hour, every single week with me lessons and Q and a every single week, check out my new website, alonzoacademy.com. Go play around in there. All kinds of little links for you to click on. And, uh, and as always, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've been posting lots of new content on there. I'm so excited. Lots of free, valuable content. And as always, dream bigger, but make sure you do it now. God bless you. We'll see you soon.